Welcome to the Kingdom Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Anderson, and I help exhausted moms put an end to what's stressing them so they can regain control of their life. Be sure to check out our popular free training, How to Put an End to What's Stressing You, at kingdommompodcast.com. Are you ready to take back your territory, Kingdom Moms? Let's begin. Hey, hey, Kingdom Moms. So today we're continuing on in our four-part series. This is part two of our interview with the author of The Wise Wife Blueprint, Natasha Drizdell. Now, if you're like me, whenever we talk about marriage or women's roles or anything like that, this can be like really emotional, kind of triggering content, right? And Natasha, it's really funny because in her book, she even uh, warns people that they might at some point want to throw the book against the wall. (laughs) And you might be listening to some of this interview and you might be like, ah, like it's like you want to hear about the outliers, right? You want to hear about where it's not all cookie cutter. And I would encourage you just wait because we are definitely diving into all of the things, all of those kind of hot topic issues in these four interviews. So I would encourage you, listen to all four interviews with an open mind and an open heart. Um, Without further ado, let's just get right back into it. And so instead, I, I basically came to this point where I paid a really, really deep, hurtful price to learn the lesson that I needed to partner with God. And to do that, it was how do I be, how support, edify, encourage the man he is today, believing that he can and will be something better, but being content with what he is today. And like, you know, let's be clear to like just what it really was. He was an atheist. My husband was an atheist. I was taking the children to church by myself every Sunday. And we were back together, but I was alone in marriage. You know, we were back together, but he wasn't really there emotionally. And I, all I I had to do was say, what can I be grateful for in this? Like, what can I be grateful for? Well, I can be grateful for the fact that my husband's letting me go to church with my kids, that he's not as an atheist saying, no, I want my kids to be raised as atheists. You know, I was grateful for that. (laughs) So I just had to find something that I could be thankful for. And then be praying, be in my prayer closet, like literally fight the right fight. I had fought the wrong fight for so many years. And if women are honest with themselves, we're very good at doing that. We're very good at fighting the wrong fight. And I'm sorry, but do you want to get played? Do you really want to be played by the enemy? Are you tired of being played and beating your head against a brick wall? over and over again and like expecting it to somehow just change one day, it's not going to change that way. Um, and so the, 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 the subtle messages I had was that my husband was not a good enough man and he needed to be better because I had this like godly husband box, I like to call it, that I took all the best traits of every man I ever knew in my life, whether it was a pastor, an uncle, my father, any, my parents, friends, uh, my friend's parents, like my friend's father's. Um, I would sort of take all their best traits in, and this was just growing up without even knowing it. And what I had done is I, I had actually created a godly husband mold <laughs> in my head. And then heaven forbid, like Tim was so far from meeting that, 
But what I, I didn't do is I didn't take any of those guys' negative traits. I didn't take any of their like weaknesses. All I didn't know behind closed doors what they were going through in their marriages. All I did was take the good things that I saw and I thought, oh, that's what a good husband does. Oh, that's what a good husband is. And, and all I did was really set myself up for, for disappointment. And again, there's such a shred of truth to this. So you, I, I'm always trying to be so careful because I don't want to be taken out of context. Like there is good truth to like, yes, your husband, you want your husband to lead you in prayer. I want my husband to be someone that it devours the Bible. And I can go to and say, like, what do you think about this? Like, what's your perspective on this? Um, I want to learn through him and from him. But like, ultimately, my relationship with his God is with God. But how much stronger am I now as a Christian? Because not only do I have that relationship with God, but I can go to my husband and, and get his insight. And we're a team and we keep each other, you know, in check almost. So eventually my husband fulfilled my godly husband box. He did actually, he over like God did more than I even asked for, but it took 17 years of being married before my husband ever prayed with me. And we met in a worship band. You know, so here I was thinking I was marrying this like solid Christian guy and, and it, and I didn't like, he was, he was nowhere near what maybe I had in my head or, um, I don't know, like it's, we're just so easy to, to like, see what we want to see. But now, you know, now that I, once I let go of all my expectations and I'll say when Tim came back after a year of telling me, get it through your thick head, I am never coming back to you. He would, and he says, I just want to make sure I want to say this as a preface for you women who are trashing your husbands. If you're trash talking your husbands to your girlfriends, because that's what it is. It's trash talking. When you're sharing your disappointments, you got to be really careful about who you share it with and how, but I want everyone to know that everything I say, Tim would absolutely be right here beside me to say it as well. So I just want to be like really clear about that because it's a dangerous, dangerous thing um, that we do in our little you know, Bible study groups where we all talk about our problems and our hurts. Okay. Well, keep that to yourself and have your one accountability partner, which is part of the battle strategy that I talked about in the book. You're, you want to, you, if you really want to see your marriage healed and if you really want to see your problems healed, it's you show me, prove it to me by not talking about it to every girl that comes across your path. Because all that does, and I've, I'm there, I've been there. It, all it is, is it's, it's the enemy tempting you to, to sort of soothe your ego and your hurt, right? Because it feels good to talk about all the things that our husbands are doing. And then our friends say, oh, you poor thing. Oh, poor you. You don't deserve that. I can't imagine my husband had an addiction like that. I just can't even imagine what I would do. Oh, and that just makes you feel so good. And you're like, Yes look at me. I'm just such a stellar wife. I'm just putting up with so much, you know what I'm like? I'm being facetious, but like, we all know that we've done it and we know women who do it. And I would just, as a side note here, strongly recommend that if you want your marriage to be better, watch your tongue and watch who you're spending your time with, because it can be really easy to get toxic about this stuff. But, um, but yeah, so Tim would be okay with me saying this, but I will say, at the, there was a point where, you know, he was literally telling, he was timing when women would leave his apartment with when I would drop off the kids. And that was, again, his way of saying, like, just get it through your head. Like, I don't, I don't 
want to come back to you. Like we're done. And that was because we had hurt each other so much. And, and he really didn't think the changes in me were, were real. But when he finally did a year later, God, and that's a whole other story I talk about um, a little bit in the book, but when God really did, actually, I don't talk about this in the book. So this is good. I say, this is not in the book. After a year of praying for God to bring my husband home, I had gone through an intense wife, what I call my wife boot camp. I had had every, so many layers of pride peeled off of me. I had been broken and humbled by God's strong, right arm and belief. Like nobody wants that. You know, I, I pray every day, like, keep me humble, Lord, because I don't ever want to be humbled by you again. It's, I, I'm thankful for it, but I really don't want to go through that again. So can you just keep me like, keep me on the up and up thing after being so humbled and, and praying for a year that God would do the same, like just reveal to Tim that I was really different and that our marriage could be better. Do you know who it was that God used to be the one to like, you know, bring like basically lift the veil and flip that light switch. It was the other woman that he was with. So, I mean, this is this crazy thing. Like you never know, you just pray and you let God do amazing things. You let go. I just think I hate the cliche, let go and let God. It's literally like, that's true. Just like, let go and let God just wow you and do something amazing. And for me, yeah, it was the other woman said something nonchalantly that literally flicked the switch for Tim. And he was like, oh my goodness, I need to go back to my family. And, and he, um, and he did, he came back and it was like, okay, let's give this a shot. Um, and when he did that, my, he, he literally said to me, I'm not the godly man you want. I'm never going to be. So like, I just, I want all the cards to be on the table. Like, you don't want me, you, you want something else. And I looked at him and I said, I release you from all my expectations. I promise you, I, I'm not going to do that to you anymore. I did that. It was wrong. I had way too many expectations on you. And I, I am telling you, if we do this and when we do this, I promise you, I release you from my expectations. I meant it in my heart and I did, and I was called to task on that to like put my money where my mouth was for two years later, for the next two years, as he really tried to sabotage everything. And he really still had a hard time believing that, you know, the, the walls were up, but man, I, I, I cannot urge women enough. If you want to see growth in your husband, release him from your expectations. No man will ever rise up to become a better man from underneath the condemnation of his wife. Okay, I'll say it again. They will never rise up to be a better man from underneath your condemnation. It, it, it seems counterintuitive to praise someone or to edify someone or to encourage someone who's not worthy of it. Okay, that seems, seems wrong, right? Because it seems like you're just reinforcing bad behavior. And again, you know, Lindsay, you know, you talked about it. I do talk about outliers, okay? There's abusive situations. There's, there's um, extreme outliers that I definitely think, you know, don't apply to this. So 
read the book if you want more information on that. But, um, but in like a, a normal, you know, just difficult, hurtful situation or marriage, um, it seems counterintuitive to be encouraging someone who is not worthy of that encouragement. Maybe he's hurting you. Maybe he's mentally, like emotionally, whatever, not being supportive and maybe even being hateful as Tim was to me. Um, but the truth is God's way is counterintuitive and God's way was speak the life into who you want him to be. So I'm not talking about lying to him, right? But it was a mindset shift of I'm going to release you from the expectations that I had for you because they may or may not be even right. And instead, I'm going to encourage the good that I see. And I'm going to speak life into who he's meant to be. So it's like, how much does it actually take for you to, to look at your husband and say, you know, you're great. You're a great dad. You're a great dad. When you see him doing something, he might be a neglecting father. Like he might neglect his kids and like be watching TV or playing video games or all the whatevers. Um, but in that one moment that he's actually being a great dad, it's so powerful to say, you know, you're a great dad. L let it go. Like literally stop, stop the words from that point. Don't continue on with the things you want to say, which is, you know, you're a great dad. When you actually give a crap and you do this, you're like that. No, don't do that. Like that's again, an ego self-serving thing. No, say, you know, you're a great dad, period. Zip your lips, let it be. And I'm telling you women, we do not understand how much power we have in shaping who our husbands become. We actually do. It's just not in the way that we are led to believe by the enemy who did it to Eve and will continue doing it to us, trying to convince us that it's our job to, again, nag, teach, coach, counsel, whatever, share your feelings. <laughs> This I is, statements. This is All so good. You said so many things that we could literally like pull each one apart and talk about that one thing <laughs> for an hour. So it's like my brain's just like, what are we talking about? I'm bouncing around like a crazy person and trying no, to keep my this is so thought. good. And this is going to be so helpful for some, for somebody. And here's the thing. And, and you say this in your book and you really like prep people, like, some of this stuff is going to make you want to take this book and chuck it against the wall. Because <laughs> the thing about this is sometimes like it's the truth that we don't want to hear. Like right. we don't want to hear, don't call him out for his crappy behavior. Right. We don't want to oh, hear that right. because we feel justified in calling him out on his crappy behavior. Right. Cause he's doing the crappy thing. So we should be calling exactly. him out. Right. We don't want to be doormats. Right. And that's true. We don't want to be doormats, but, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I go back, you said it like at the beginning of your story, you talked about partnering with the enemy and oh my goodness, I think all the hairs stood up on my, <laughs> because it is so true. And I look back, you know, at, at my marriage and oh my goodness, I would slice him with my tongue. Like, like I but here's the reason why we do it, right? It's because we are hurting. We feel hurt. 
And the enemy is saying to us, this is going to make your hurt feel better. This is going to make your hurt feel better. This is going to make your hurt feel better. Talking to your friends about it is going to make your hurt feel better. Telling him what he's doing wrong it's, and, and being justified in doing it is going to make your hurt feel better. But if we actually look at the fruit, it never makes our hurt feel better. Exactly. It never exactly. makes our hurt feel better. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say after so many women that I have, you know, spent hours on the phone with and, and, you know, complete strangers that after two hours, I mean, I'm like right in there with all their business. They, it, it, no matter how, no matter what their stories, no matter what their details or circumstances, if you really dial it down to the core, the root issue, and this is going to sting for some but if you really dial it down, I, I, I almost every single time, actually, I can come down to, okay, so what you're saying is your feelings are hurt, right? <laughs> what you're saying is that your feelings are hurt. And the only way, I mean, I've, I've, I, I'm surprised no one's hung up on me yet, but they've all admitted that they have at some points wanted to hang up on me. But by the end of the call, I hear the same thing. And it's praise be to God for this. I'm, I, it brings me to tears. They'll say, I, I wanted to hang up on you. Uh, I really wanted to tell you to F off and like, just hang up, but I didn't. And honestly, what you're saying to me is the first time I've felt peace. It's different than anything anyone has said to me. And they were talking pastors and counselors, and whatever. Um, but it's the first time I feel real peace about what action to take. And I always just am so thankful for that. But, but it is this really difficult thing to come to this, this understanding of if I was to just detach from my hurt feelings, would I make a different decision? Right. And, and, and you're right. You're a hundred percent right. The motivation for, for all of those things that you just listed is I hurt and I want to hurt back. I hurt and I, and I want someone to hurt and I can't hurt my husband back, but I can hurt him indirectly by talking to my girlfriends or, um, like I, you know, listed before, like withholding sex and intimacy. And I mean, we could talk forever about that one, right? Because who wants to have sex? What woman on the face of the planet, who doesn't have, I don't know, let's just say what woman wants, <laughs> I'm gonna go into this, I'll just, they'll be throwing stones. What woman wants to have sex with her husband who is addicted to video games or addicted to pornography or neglects, you know, neglects the children because he's more interested in football than he is in his own family, like, or, who hasn't taken his wife out on a date for who knows how long, or let's get real serious. He likes like Diana that I share about in the book who, what woman wants to have sex with her husband who's openly having an affair while living in the basement of the family home and is off like going on date night with his girlfriend while he's still living in his home. Like, I mean, this woman could only do that. And all of us can only do that by the power of God, by, by literally having the Lord grab hold of our hearts. And, and I, I mean, maybe other women would disagree with me and they might have other ways, but for me personally, like 
uh, that's a pretty supernatural thing being that sex is very um, intimate for women. It's, it's a very, an emotional connection. And so sorry, I don't know like if, you, if there's other women out there that think differently, but for me, I'm not really interested in having an emotional connection with someone who's, you know, hateful to me or hurting me. And yet every single time God would uh, like, would just meet me. Like literally when I say that there's three people in my marriage bed, I'm not joking. Like there's me, there's my husband and there's God. Like we got, we got a threesome. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. That's amazing. I've never said that one before, but here we I go. think that that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had some pretty taboo stuff said on this podcast that might be, that might be top three. That might be top okay. three. You can edit that out if you want. That's fine. <laughs> we probably won't. Yeah. Okay, I'm good, good, lie. good. I mean, ultimately it's true though. Like, I guess, you know, you women that, that come to me with, with like, I don't want to have sex with my husband. I'm like, well, guess what? If you're not having sex with your husband, your marriage is over. It is over. So don't come to me with your tears about how hurt you are, about how he's doing this, that, and the other thing. And then tell me you haven't had sex in six months or a year or whatever. Like we are called to some things as wives and men are called to some things as husbands. Let his husband duties go. Cause that's between him and the Lord. And like, just get focused on you. Like, what do you need to do? What, who do you need to be where you can face God and, and hear, you know, good job, faithful servant. Like you did it. Um, Okay, I'm and, gonna I'm gonna stop us there yeah. for a second, Natasha, because I know I just know that there are women who literally want to chuck their phone against the wall right now <laughs> listening to this. Okay, oh, okay. So I want to say something that I think is so powerful. Like, okay, we're talking, and this is what I freaking love about your book so much is you talk about what does the Bible actually say our role is as a wife, mm-hmm. like, and. I'm just going to be really, really blunt. People want to change what that book says, and you Mm -hmm. can't change what that book says. And there is a reason why it says what it says. Mm -hmm. And like you just said, like the Bible says, this is wife's role, Mm -hmm. right? It also says this is husband's role. And I have to be real honest with you. I've read what the husband role is. It's way, way more pressure, Uh way more stuff that they have to do. Uh compared to what we as wives are told to do. Like they're told to lead and literally lead like Jesus, like wash your wife's feet, like Uh sacrificial leadership. And the same thing they're called to do the same thing. Like both are not called to withhold intimacy from each other, but like, so, so what, what Natasha is saying in this book is this is a book written for the wives And Mm -hmm. it's not our job to worry about what the husband role is because we're the wife. We're not the husband. And if we do what we are called to do, God's going to sort out with your husband what Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be doing. And I have to tell you, he can do a much better job sorting that out than you can. So true. And, And that is exactly it. Hey, Kingdom Moms, I hope that you have been loving this conversation that we've been having with Natasha. 
And we are going to actually be continuing it for the next two weeks. So if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any of this interview. But also I would encourage you to go pick up a copy of the Wise Wife Blueprint. You can find it on Amazon or you can find it at thewisewifeblueprint.com. And Natasha even told me that if you order from the website, you might get a signed copy. So we will see you next week. If you haven't already, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. If you're not a part of the Mom Binder Masters group on Facebook, go check it out. And we also have tons of free training at kingdommompodcast.com. See you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kingdom Mob Podcast. Don't forget to check out our popular free training, How to Put an End to What's Stressing You, at kingdommompodcast.com. See you next time, Kingdom Mom.